Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I am broken. Go I am broken. <laughs> broken. <laughs> Is it going to be all right? And welcome to All Through a Lens. This is the podcast about film photography where we discuss a little more than just photography. I'm Vanya. And I'm Eric. On this week's show, it's our one year anniversary. (gasps) Oh my gosh! We'll be taking a quick look back at our very, very first episode. We'll call up our podcast daddy, Graham, from Sunny 16, and we're going to be taking a well-ordered look at composition. What's in it for you, and do you even care? Oh, and uh, we apparently sold our souls and have a Patreon thing, so more on that later. But first, Vanya, how the effing heck are you? Oh my goodness. It has been a month of projects. I'm ripping out all the carpet in my house and we are refinishing the floors. It's kind of a nightmare. Also, um, those fucking staples, I just can't seem to get them all for some reason. <laughs> um, I have failed slightly on light proofing my dark room. Definitely we'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, I just want it to be ready. So please hurry. Uh, I've been basically slacking on most of the projects. Uh, school started for Marley. So for all you moms and dads out there, I know you feel this. It's been such a trip to kind of acclimate to this new system. But, you know, here we are doing it just like everybody else. I guess I should say I'm pretty lucky because I do work from home so I can be here with Marley Except that (laughs) usually fall is like my time to shine. I love fall because everybody's back in school and people are kind of back on schedule. And I get to go check the waves early in the morning after I drop Marley off at school. It's been a little different since Marley's at home, but I had woken her up one day and I was like, okay, you have school like in 20 minutes. I'm going to go check the waves and then I'll be back. Well, I went surfing and just latchkey kid her in the house so I can go surf. I mean, she's, you know, she's older. So she can handle it. Anyway, is, is it a latchkey kid if, if she's locked in the house? Well, I mean, not like how we grew up, but it was, it was, it was <laughs> okay. a quick. So okay. I, I was out for like an hour or two and then came back and guess what? She was still asleep. Oh, so no. yeah. Marley. <laughs> that was a bad thing. So I have to kind of check myself and make sure I do things a little differently. I wish she didn't have to check in at 8am because I would just like drag her to the beach every morning with me and we could just have PE and it's surf class with mom. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure how that would work. (laughs) I mean, honestly, I think it would be amazing. Yes, you do. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe her not so much. Maybe not. (laughs) So Eric, how about you? What have you been up to? Um, I have been uh, spending a lot of time kind of getting things in order for our new website, allthroughlens.com. <gasps> what? Yeah, I figured, you know, new year, new rear. I don't know. But <laughs> check it out if you like. It's got our show notes and photos and basically everything the old, all the old website had, if you even knew we had an old website, but some other stuff as well. And we'll, we're going to eventually move our store over there. And we got, you know, we got a lot of plans and we'll get to all of those plans. But uh, apart from that, I've been laid off of work for about six months now. And while 
financially, it sucks. You know, you have a lot of spare time on your hands. <laughs> and so I've been kind of hunkering down and developing as much as I can. And, you know, we made a couple of zines or the six by seven zine that we did is basically sold out. Now we may have a copy or two left by the time this this uh, posts. Don't know. Check the store. Uh, two new zines and they're selling okay. When you're off work for this long, you kind of get into your own head a little bit. And I think we'll be talking about that in the segments to come. (laughs) So buckle up. Okay? (laughs) Okay. We started Altera Lens about a year ago, but before our first episode, we produced a bit of a promo, episode zero, an introduction of sorts. We had some lofty campaign-like promises, but did we keep them? So we're going to play the promo that we did. I'm not sure if, mo- if most people listened to it. We Actually, we, we, we've seen the download stats of it. Most people did not listen to that. <laughs> and so we're going to play it. And uh, Now you have to listen to it. <laughs> you do. You <laughs> and we do too. Choice. <laughs> All right, here it goes. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> what was that? All right, here it goes. Why? Why is this happening? <laughs> oh my god. DJ Eric on the ones and twos. Oh shit. <laughs> Okay, so let's start it and find out. I'm Vanya Francesca. And I'm Eric J. We're starting a podcast called All Through a Lens. That's the name of the zine I did. That was more of a zine about film photography than a film photography zine. And now it's a podcast. <laughs> we sound very different then. You sound You sound hopeful. It's like I aged <laughs> years. <laughs> Have I beaten the hope out of you already? Yes. Fine is my co-host. She's a surfer, a mother, and a general gadabout. She does a zine called Pure Sand and Water, which features her wonderfully gritty kitchen sink developed surf photography. And Eric's my co-host. You might know him from Conspiracy Cartographers or the Sunny 16 podcast. He tells stories, shoots expired film, and travels on the cheap. So question, are you actually a gadabout? I don't even know. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> Both of us shoot mamias. We both base our moods on the music we're listening and to. And we both still make ridiculous mistakes, even though we've been shooting film for a long-ass time. So we decided that the best way to talk about film photography was a format that's audio only. Um, <laughs> we still make mistakes. Yeah, uh, we do. Just this past week, my ECN2 dev kind of expired. <laughs> And I blew four rolls of film, something oh, I haven't no. done in years. And that was stupid because I always tell people, like, it's a month. You have a month to develop with it. And it was over. So do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> but here at All Through a Lens, we're going to discuss more than just looking through lenses. We'll cover the news. In a half-assed sort of way. We'll do zine reviews. Not just for the free copies. And we'll spout out useless bits of trivia. Uh, Jimmy Stewart's camera in Vertigo was an exacta VX. We'll bring on photographers and talk to them about their ongoing projects. We don't do news. When somebody dies, we do news. Yeah. But yeah. we haven't even really been keeping track. Very much. I think no. news just in general right now is such a intense <laughs> yeah, subject. And honestly, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there are plenty of other podcasts talking about news. I'm sure somebody has mentioned that Fuji is making a new Instax Square camera. We don't need to mention that. Maybe start a new zine. I mean, what's one more? 
Emmer. We'll even dig up advice from some crusty dead guys. Like, did you know in 1889, Peter Henry Emerson recommended that you ruthlessly destroy all your photos or you will most certainly rue the day that you took them? <laughs> I miss that. We I don't know why once. you don't like the crusty guy. I guess you're just crusty <laughs> enough. I guess, yeah, I guess the, the advice from crusty old white guys is is me all the time. <laughs> that segment turned into the entire podcast, or at least half of it, my half. The trivia is more just history pieces. <laughs> we get a little bit of trivia and we just kind of run with it. And, and like, you know, an hour or two later of writing and research, not in that order necessarily, sometimes though, <laughs> we have an entire piece mm-hmm. from a little bit of trivia. Like, well, previewing something coming up. So just not that long ago, we picked up some x-ray film from hand-rolled film on Etsy and definitely pick it up. It's, it's some interesting, really fun stuff. And he turns out to be a listener and we, we've liked his stuff. He's liked our stuff. It's, it's kind of a, a neat synchronicity that happened there. But because we started shooting it and we're like, oh, we should do a dev party about this. Let me take, let me find like a, a tidbit or two about x-ray film. It turned into a an entire episode that we're going to be doing about x-ray film at some point in the near future. I don't know how everybody else does it as far as like how they organize their podcast, but we really just, it's not even like brainstorming. We, we have a conversation yeah, and something comes out of that and grows into a full segment, which is absolutely wonderful. I love the way that we work. He really did. We'll have film exchanges, camera exchanges, Spotify playlists, travel tips, and even surf reports. Watch out for snakes. You haven't done a surf report in a very long time. Yeah, well, it's been summer. I hate summer. <laughs> the watch out for snakes thing was early, though. I didn't. I didn't. I kind of forgot that the watch out for snakes started like in episode zero. I actually got a kick out of it just because you put it right after surf reports. Yes. Because people that like cut you off are called snakes in the water so, so i was like haha this is amazing it's such an insult to snakes though snakes are awesome no they're not i'm sorry they have no legs like what the hell kind of lizard is that <laughs> there's no arms or legs and along the way we'll be reaching out to you members of the film community to find out what you're up to so give us a listen all through a lens wherever the hell you get your podcasts okay you want to go shoot fuck yeah i do let's go <gasps> I cussed in the promo. You you did. I, I kind of forgot about about our our end line there. We, it's changed a little bit. Well, we did, huh? But I do like that from the very beginning. We wanted to involve the film community. It wasn't. I mean, it's our podcast because we're the ones doing it. But we didn't want to see it as just like a closed in podcast that there are just listeners and quote unquote fans of. We wanted it to be like a community thing as much as possible. Oh, definitely, and make it not about like rich and famous photographers more just people like us yes all those rich and famous photographers i I was gonna say like you know hopefully we progressed because in a lot of ways it's like you hope to kind of like your old your old work of course like you you should like it or and and it's okay to hate it because that means that you've grown since then so are you saying you hate the early episodes (laughs) I haven't listened to the early episodes in a very long time. I'm sure the first few are pretty rough around the edges, but I don't know. Yeah, probably. I haven't either. And I don't really have a plan to. I am just moving on ahead. Moving on ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Choo-choo. So in our episode zero, in our promo, we talked how we wanted to keep this sort of a community thing. And one of the ways that we did that 
was to have the answering machine messages every episode. And we'd pose a question, people would call in or leave a voice message on Instagram, and we would play them and respond. So we've got that now. And what was our question this week? What is the next thing you want to attempt in photography? New format, printing, alt process, completely changing the kind of photographer you are, going from landscape to street, color to black and white. Or not doing a podcast to doing a <laughs> podcast, which is what we did a year ago. So this, this question kind of really fits in with what we're doing right now. I guess I will push. No, I want to push it. Oh, fine. You push it. Okay. Hello. No one is available to take your call. Please leave a message after the tone. Hi, Eric and Banya. Don from Chicago here. Hey, one thing I've always wanted to try was autochromes, which is a very old process for doing uh, color plates. And basically you take uh, colored red, green, and blue starch grains and sprinkle it on a regular gelatin plate. And uh, when you develop it, it kind of does an automatic filtering thing and gives a very interesting looking color print. There's a couple guys online working on it, but... Uh, kind of complicated, but hope to try that at some point in the future. I want to be adopted to the Fraulas. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> they just seem so amazing. <laughs> that was Dawn, father of Jennifer. And yeah, they seem to be um, my favorite father-daughter duo. Not that I have like a long list of them, but if I did, they'd be the top of it. Yeah, it'd be interesting to try the autochrome. I like the idea uh, of like the little speckles because you're basically creating like little pixels, mm-hmm. but they off the line up. So I'm not sure exactly how you do it. I don't know if you use screens or I don't think screen printing would work with that. Hmm. Screen print the dye on it. I don't know. When you figure it out, Don, let us know. Hey, this is Alan Mills of Elden Tree Photos, St. Augustine, Florida. Things that I want to do next, like contact prints, cyanotype prints, chlorophyll prints. I've kind of had bad luck with uh, the local situation that I have. There's a good shop in Jacksonville, but I don't want to drive to Jacksonville, and postal service sometimes dings up the prints, and I've always wanted to do it myself. Just the kind of DIY ethic that I kind of grew up with playing in punk bands. Yeah, but like, shout out to Iowa Amy with the chlorophyll prints that she recently posted, and like, I'm just really digging like the idea of doing wild cyanotypes and such. Iowa Amy with her printing on the leaf was yeah. quite amazing. Um, I'm not sure what a chlorophyll print actually is. I don't think I know. I don't think I know. But I um... also I love contact printing. Um, You've been doing some of that recently, haven't you? Yes, I have. It's so fun. I love contact printing. It's just the best. <laughs> hey guys, this is Dan Tree. Instagram is Dan Tree Photo. Uh, one of my goals is to learn how to do wet plate collodion or tintypes. It's been something that I've always really liked the looks of. And it was kind of cool last week. I was uh, out shooting in uh, Salt Lake and I saw a random guy shooting 8x10 and I ran up and found out he was just uh, shooting wet plate and he showed me a few things and let me know that he does one-on-one coaching and stuff. So it looks like the universe was just trying to help me learn this new thing that I wanted to learn. It's a dream for sure. We've been kicking around the idea of, of getting someone to teach us how to do tintypes and wet plates and things like that. Yeah, I look forward to it. Definitely yes. share them. Hey guys, I don't want to try anything new because I really like the cameras that I shoot with. I really like what I shoot. Uh, I really like where I'm at in general, but I could get better at it. Yeah, Uh, there is something to say about not doing new things and just getting better at the things you're doing. Yeah, 
I mean, we could all use a little bit of that. I would hate to never try anything new uh, and just stick to what I was doing. Yeah, but if you're content with the camera and you really just want to like, yeah, this is my camera, this is what I'm shooting with, and I will just keep practicing on this. I think that is a great idea. Hello, photo friends. Uh, this is Nick Toro Jr. I am heading into pinhole territory now. Um, film photography in general has not been unpredictable enough for me. Well, it's just about to get more <laughs> unpredictable. <laughs> have you have done pinhole? I've never done pinhole. Yeah, I have. Honestly, I need to probably give it another shot. At some point, I will. Hi, Vanya. Hi, Eric. Marius here. Kiting Mare on all social media. I'm a new listener and first time caller, and I got into photography or analog photography in early February, so just at the start of the pandemic. So that's what, what's been keeping me busy and sane basically through all this. And I started with 35mm and mostly black and white film, which I develop at home uh, because I'm a cheap as student. <laughs> and the new thing I want to try is branch out into different formats. Uh, new formats like a medium camera or instant film and the other big thing i want to try is develop my color film on my own oh my gosh welcome yeah we have a new listener it makes me so excited (laughs) it's very exciting it's so exciting i mean getting into it i mean just now yeah it's perfect too it's a perfect time honestly and look at he's like in it he's like okay i'm gonna start doing this and i'm gonna develop at home and he did it that's great Hey guys, Sam here at Panku Film on Instagram. Um, the next thing I want to try photography-wise is medium format, um, in particular box camera photography. I recently acquired a bunch of different box cameras and I'm super excited to try them out. Yes. We did an episode about box cameras. Yeah, we did. And box yeah. camera appreciation week or month or something. I don't I even know. Don't know. We can't just, we just decided to make up a holiday. Was that ours? We, did we oh, do that? It's funny too. Cause Graham was like so mad at me. Cause I was like, well, anything, it has to look like a box. <laughs> he got mad at me. Remember? <laughs> <laughs> it just has to look like a box. A camera in a box. It's a box camera. Hi, Eric and Vanya. This is Hannah Grace. Uh, One new thing I'm wanting to do with my photography is actually finally pull the trigger and get my zine finished that I've been collecting images for. And uh, that's the next big thing on the list. And we'll see after that. Thanks. Bye. That is exciting. Hannah, definitely let us know when that's ready. I would love to get a copy of that. I know sometimes just you know, she's a new mother and trying to juggle like your art projects with just like regular life in general can be difficult. I mean, even with the show, I was explaining to someone like, I haven't made a zine in like a year. Yeah. And a lot of it has to do because I'm busy with this podcast, which I absolutely love. Of course, I just haven't got around to it. So I get it. Sometimes it can sit on the back shelf. And I've done that before with zines. When we started talking, you were like, Oh, my God, just finish it. Just get it done. Hurry, just send it to the printer. Do it. What's wrong? Why are you waiting? <laughs> well, sometimes that's the best advice you can give to somebody. No, it, and it did. It helped because I would just get into like my mind of like, it's not good enough or it's not perfect. Or I, I think I, I want to take this this image out. It, you start to doubt your decisions. And sometimes you just need to send it to the printer. 
She sent it to the printer. Hannah, send it to the printer. It's not very sexy, but the next thing for me is scanning my own negatives, which gives me more to do in home processing than just checking to see if the camera works. I can now share these things. Opens up the possibility of cross-processing. I've already bought one of the ECN2 kits. I haven't used it yet, but I can't wait. And hopefully this will lead to new zine sizes. I can do larger scans, panoramics at no extra cost, this sort of thing. Ugh, I hate scanning negatives. (laughs) (laughs) Well, honestly, scanning has become a bit of a different thing for me. Since I stopped doing 35mm, not totally, but almost completely, I'm really enjoying scanning now. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that you and I do together is, is often we'll scan together. Yep. And that makes it, it makes it a little bit more enjoyable because yeah. you're, you're sharing the photos as you, as you see them, yep. as, as soon as you see them. It's just, it's nice, you know? Before that, I mean, scanning was a, was a drag. Yeah, scanning 35 is, is tough. I do yeah. not like to scan 35. No. I need to get a piece of glass for my, my scanner so then I don't have to use the trays anymore because I do not like using the trays at all. I like borders. And, you know, maybe this is like the crazy part of me and why I like old cameras. But in one of the first conversations we actually had, which you thought was a dig on you, because I was like, oh my gosh, your borders are so amazing or so big. I don't think you said anything other than, oh, big borders. And I thought you were like kind of making fun of me for for including borders in my photos, which I still do. And I was a little like, wow, all right. That's kind of the, one of the first things you've said to me. You're kind of a dick. <laughs> <laughs> but I love borders. I love edges. The corners, you know, certain cameras, they, they have just like a little extra special piece of the frame. Some are rounded, some kind of like taper off. And then of yeah. course the Hasselblad has those little, yeah, the little notch marks and every back is a little different and has a different notch back, like notch to it. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Love, 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 love. So yeah, when you use those scanning little plastic things, you cut your borders off and it just pisses me off. So I'm trying to learn to use like the wide transparency and just scan flat. Hey, it's Michelangelo. And the next thing I want to attempt is actually doing something that I've started since late last December, which is beginning a long form project for my photography. I've often felt like my images are simply free floating with no context or story. I've decided to give myself a timeline of a few years to help myself develop the quality story I've always wanted to create and share. I've, at this point, I developed constraints, including using Eric's easy into developing kits along with other details. Listening to this podcast has also inspired me to practice mock-up ideas for a printable release. That's it, guys. Thank you. Wow. That's amazing. I can't imagine doing a long-form project like that. What are you talking about? This podcast is a long-form project. Well, not a photography project. It's a podcast project. I mean, (laughs) like... Sitting down, like, here's here's what I want to capture, and here's how I'm going to do it. I mean, I guess in some ways, the Nez Pierce thing has turned into that. Thank you, yeah. Labs. So that's going to be, you know, an, a long, an ongoing thing. And it's really making it a, a long-form project, but I didn't intend it to be that. I intended it to be a summer project. Yeah. And so I can't imagine setting off to do that, but I'm glad he is. And I'm glad that he's using the the ECN2 kits to yeah. do it. That's it it's is. Pretty, it's... It's pretty cool. That makes me really happy. So, hello, my name is Or, and I'm from Israel, and the new thing I'm going to attempt is shooting 6x9 on my new box Zeiss 10-gore camera, which I got all because of your camera box talk, so thank you. I'm pretty excited about that. It's going to arrive today in the mail, so cheers, bye! (gasps) I'm excited. 
about the box camera. This is our second box camera call, but this is the with the Tangor. I love that camera. I've never shot. I've never actually seen one in in person. I don't know if it's another thing. I don't want another camera at this point in my life. I just, just got He's one. He's going to get one, you guys. He's totally going to get one. The Voigtlander I have is a 6x9. I love it. It is. Good luck with it. You're going to have a blast. It's such a cool camera. Send us a picture. Send us a lot <laughs> of pictures. See. We want to update. And honestly, can we just get updates on everybody? And We're going to check in with everybody? Is that, yeah, is that who we are by now? Next, okay, you know what? You guys have a year to have all these things finished, and we will be... We will check in with, with Don, Alan, Dan, Mike, Nick, Marius, Sam, Hannah, Robert, Michael, or and the next person, James, next year at this time to make sure that you are on the right track. We're here for you. <laughs> hey, guys, it's James. I'm at... All in grain on Instagram. The next new thing I want to do, I think, is get into portrait photography. I'm thinking get together um, with a few friends, do a socially distant like photo shoot, and just start there, um, and then see where that goes for me. I actually really love taking portraits, and it's been since I don't know. It's been so long, obviously, because of the circumstances. I just miss that. I miss that human contact, that like relationship that you have to kind of build on to get them comfortable to get a good portrait. So, yeah. James, I wish you the best of luck. I look forward to seeing your portraits. Hi, Eric and Vanya. Greg here, calling from Falkirk, Scotland. I am GBM Cine Photo on Instagram. As a lifelong film shooter, I've been always interested in process. About five years ago, I got into wet plate collodion, making tintypes and amber types. What's very next for me is uh, making proper uh, glass plate negatives using a redevelopment process with iodine and pyro. After that, I want to learn calotypes. And then next year, I want to learn daguerreotypes. Basically, I want to shoot my way through photographic history. Yes, in reverse. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea. I mean, it's not something that is maybe accessible to everybody, but at least knowing what's out there and what's what's been, what's come before us, I think is so important. Just looking at the different processes or reading old books or even new books about old processes and just kind of seeing how it was done and maybe even daydreaming about it, you know, how the chemicals would be, how that would how that would look without the smell, the feel, whatever. I think it's a really important step for us as photographers. And I think we need to know a little bit of where we came from. I think so. There's just something so like hands on about film photography everything is just a little bit more special and unique in a way where you are, you know, you're shooting, you're loading this film in your camera and you're in, and then shooting the images and rolling it back up and then unrolling it in a bag and touching the film and developing the film, scanning it or printing it in a dark room and, and, and seeing an actual print that, that entire process and how it is now compared to like how it was then. It's just not much has changed in that way. And I really like that. But those old processes are there before we had electricity and, and running water in most homes. Those processes were there. And they're just science. It's just chemicals. Those chemicals are still there. We could always do photography in some way, shape or form. It may be less accessible, I guess, to some people, but that will never go away. And I think that's kind of a cool thing about our, our little our little hobby here is it, it, it can't go away if we don't let it. Well, okay, we heard from a bunch of people, uh, 13, I think, which is amazing and wonderful. Lucky number 13. 
<laughs> Lucky number 13. Why not? So how about you, Vanya? What's your answer to uh, what's your next new photography thing? <laughs> A little bit about me. I am very impulsive and very distracted constantly, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Eric's really good at like editing out the distraction, but it I go on very long tangents on random things. Also, my dog somehow snuck into my oh, room. Come on. <laughs> Speaking oh, of, come on. Bodhi got in here somehow. <laughs> I don't okay, know. Can I we... need to let him out. Okay. Hi, Bodes. Come on. Let's. <laughs> come on, Bodhi. Go outside. <laughs> All right, folks. You see what I'm dealing with here. Uh, this happens okay. pretty often. All right, so he's, um, he's out. Oh, so, okay. Are you back? Okay, go on. I think I've said this before, organization. So everything to do with organizing, writing notes, making sure that I write what developer I used and what times I use for everything. These things are important because when you develop them again in a year or two or three, you might want to look back and go, how did I develop this before? <laughs> so these things are very important. I recently got a trailer and I have been converting it into a dark room. <laughs> so uh, I've <laughs> managed to get it all light tight and have been printing in there. And it just made me realize again, like how important it is to be organized and write notes. You need all these things when you're printing. More organization for me, more writing notes keeping things together, like taking care of my negatives. Yes, you can scan them in a computer, but a computer can die. Like it's important to have these like in a good, safe area <laughs> with notes. So notes, yes. And I still hate that, but organization. Eric, mm -hmm. what's your answer? What is? What do you have in the works? What's new? Something similar, oddly enough, to what Mike said about he's, he's not wanting to try new things because he wants to perfect the old things. I'm kind of in that mindset a little bit where I want to improve. Well, I want to improve my four by five a lot. And I want to start maybe doing road trips and, and day trips or weekend trips with just four by five, no other cameras. And it would force me to sit with a format that I've been shooting for three years and I'm still uncomfortable in. And I don't know if that means I'm just not a large format photographer. I've taken some good photos with 4x5, but I've taken a lot of bad photos with 4x5 too. And so I want to feel that connection that I feel with 6x7, and I'm not sure I'm going to. And so I'm trying to figure out where I fit in large format. And maybe I'm not a large format photographer. If I could take anything away from any of this is I've learned how to realize my shortcomings and also realize where my strong points are and maybe try to have those strong points bleed into some of the weak points. So in this case, six by seven success bleeding into four by five would be, would be really nice. If there are photography gods, please smile upon well, me. Well, your four by five recently kind of died on you. Um, so you got a new one. So you are learning a new camera that is a little bit more advanced than the one that you had previous. A little bit, yeah, so a little that bit. Probably and that probably has something to do with it, at least for this this l recent trip. And I think that you know, yeah, that's like true. you said, going out and just bringing one camera with you and just focusing. Okay, this is what I'm shooting, so this is this is what I need to frame for. Will help. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Good luck, though. Probably. Good luck. Thank you. I would love to see your car with just one camera. <laughs> I don't think it was going to happen. <laughs> so 
So each episode, or almost each episode, we give a call to a photographer. And this episode is no different. We may be dipping back into the pre-all-through-a-lens era and giving a call to Graham from Sunny16. Now, our history with Sunny16, my history with Sunny16, dates back a few years where I was I was sending weepy travel recordings to them uh, a couple of years ago and uh, listening to them now, they're, they're oh, a touch embarrassing. I've come a bit of a way and so has Graham. So when we shut the fuck up and give Graham a call. Yeah. Hello? Hey, Graham! <laughs> uh, who is this? Hey, this is Eric and Vanya from All Through a Lens Podcast. How are you doing today? Uh, I don't need any PPI, but thanks very much for calling. <laughs> uh, I've been very well. I'm lucky that, given what I do for a living, which is gardening, it didn't really affect me very much, which is a good thing and a bad thing, because I'll be honest, um, going to work when everybody else was forced to be at home, it was great, but also everybody else was forced to be at home when the weather was really nice. And um, But, you know, I, I, I wouldn't want to change it, but now I was able to carry on. And, yeah, I've just kind of plodded on with the year, much as as normal although i think at this point where how many months into it six months into it yeah just the little things are starting to pile up the fact that i'm really not going anywhere and not doing anything and it's you know it did but no i've been very lucky <laughs> uh, yes i guess so we're, we're gardeners deemed essential workers the hierarchy is um doctors and nurses yes gardeners mm-hmm. firemen gotcha. police mm-hmm. um i don't know drug dealers something else okay um, <laughs> So, um, in light of all of this fun COVID stuff, I guess, you've been working on the podcast through that consistently. Uh, How has Sunny 16... No, it's been about a year-ish since I've been on. How has it been since then? Have you been been handling it okay without me? (laughs) Uh, I'm not going to lie, no, Eric. It's been a disaster. Um, I thought so. There's been a lot of me just sitting in the corner rocking. Um, No, we, we, you know, for the last... Four years it had been Aiden, myself, and then Rachel joined us very early on. And at the beginning of this year, when uh, everything happened, and you know, that I think that in every facet of life just forced things more to the forefront. And Aid, who uh, was working from home, so he was sat in front of a computer all day dealing with incoming calls and you know, business meetings and stuff like that. And also, coupled with the fact that his photography at the moment is his, the things that have been interesting him and driving him have been less and less analog based he's been getting mm. more into other stuff and it just reached a point where he felt like i think i need a break from this um yeah. and that was fine you know we kind of knew it was coming so because of that uh we invited um john whitmore who we've spoken to in the past and claire marie bailey who we'd also spoken to in the past yes. two people who we know we've had a good relationship enjoyed their company because you guys know what it's like when you're doing this, you have to have somebody who you can, uh, for want of a better word, and I wish I could find a better word, vibe with. Um, oh, now Vanya appreciates that. Yeah, you guys are vibing. I, I get it. Um, I'm trying to be cool because I'm on your podcast, and unfortunately, I'm a middle-aged British white man. It's not working. <laughs> I'm hip. I'm cool. Um, but, so, so, um, so, yeah, we brought those guys on 
uh, back in, I guess it would be April we started doing this. Mm-hmm. And that's been great. They've really stepped in. They've been amazing. And, and because they're both very different from each other and also bring something new to the show, it means that we can kind of tailor who's on which coast hosts we've got depending on which guests we've got. Hmm. Um, and also because of that and having it that slightly expanded team, it meant that we could start thinking seriously or continue seriously about setting up this second podcast channel because one podcast is not enough effort. <laughs> no, we and, found that out early on. <laughs> so um, it was also enabled us to do that. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been busy this year. Um, it's been a lot going on, but uh, yeah, I think it's having having the new guys join us and stuff has helped me find some energy personally that was perhaps dwindling a little bit last year. I was finding more of a struggle last year, I think. So it's been good. It's been good. Thank you. Yes. Well, well you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so can you explain what the second, it's Sunny 16 Presents, right? Yeah, absolutely. So the basic idea behind Sunny 16 Presents was that we kind of wanted to make a space that could be like, so there are websites like Emulsive and 35MMC where you'll get guest bloggers. People can write articles for it and share them on there, and, and that's great. And we wanted to do something similar, but for people who don't want to sit down and write, because not everybody, writing is not everybody's strong suit. Some people are better at talking than they are at writing. And so we wanted to do that and essentially invite members of the photography community to produce stuff for it. Um, but we knew that you, that's not a guaranteed flow of stuff coming through. What we've done, and now we've got this expanded team, is that every member of the team, so Rachel, Claire, John, and myself, <laughs> slightly <laughs> awkward on that one at the moment, um, are each doing a monthly podcast as part of this. Rachel's podcast, Underexposed, is her having conversations primarily with other female photographers about their views and insights and stuff because they don't get as much airtime. Um, although I know you guys are fabulous, you've had by far a, you know a much more weighted in that direction, which has been great because that's definitely not the case. And um, and John's show is conversations in the darkroom with other people doing darkroom stuff, but those yeah. conversations also tend to they can't go all over the place. Um, Claire's show, by contrast, is a show talking about films, uh, with, talking with people in the analog photography community but about films that are really meaningful to them, about why they're meaningful. So far, they've been about films with a photography link. So the first one that she did was uh, Blow Up. The next one, which is going out next week, uh, is about Memento, another film <laughs> with a, a heavy photography bias in yeah. there. These things do not need to be hardcore analog photography stuff. It's like, what's meaningful to you? So yeah, it's just a space for that, really, for us to throw <laughs> shit to the wall and see what sticks. <laughs> perfect yeah perfect we know that you're immersed in this podcast you talk about photography all the time but what what are you doing new in photography are you attempting anything new in photography yeah i suppose the the thing the thing this year that has been or most recently for me is that um i've got a new four by five camera <laughs> and so in the limited amount of time that i've been able to get out and do shooting a lot of it has been with my new four by five camera i got carbon adventurer one of these uh oh, yeah. guys. I've seen them made by chroma because i had an intrepid eric i know you got an intrepid mm. and um had. you love your intrepid. <laughs> okay. Had. Had. <laughs> okay so cool so you had an intrepid mm-hmm. um, and maybe for similar reasons to me it wasn't quite fulfilling what you wanted it to fulfill or maybe you broke it. 
a bit of both. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> little column A, little column B. Anyway, I, I'd had my Intrepid for about a year, and I liked it. Yeah. And for, for how much it cost me, they're great. Like, oh, this, perfect this, camera for starters. The value proposition is fantastic. But my new Carbon Adventure is way better. There's kind of no finer point. It's, it's, like, it's more expensive, but it's really good. So I've been kind of getting out with that whenever I've had the chance. What I'm looking forward to, actually, the next thing, and partly because of this new Sony 16 Presents thing, the next thing that I'm lining myself up to do is tackle the 200 meters of tungsten balanced cine film I bought over oh, a year cool. ago. That's oh, that nice. in my fridge ever since then. So that's my <laughs> next adventure that I'm um, gearing myself up mentally for. Uh, so yes, the next question. You've been doing Sony 16 for how long? Uh, uh over four years now. Okay, that's <laughs> I, I managed to so so sort of keep the gut reaction of oh too long <laughs> from coming out. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not too long. You're expanding. You're doing wonderful things. So, how has the film community changed since you started it? Over the years, it's grown as the hobby has grown and been in different directions from where it's been before it's brought in new members it's i think it's more diverse now than it was when we started which is wonderful yeah you seeing more young people doing cool stuff and just a, 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 and more different stuff and, the, and i think there's generally more acceptance of different is good not not everywhere some people not so much of a big fan of different um fair enough <laughs> but, but um i think that's great but i think the other side of that is that the other difference that I'm seeing is that certain aspects of it are maturing. Um, and I don't think it's a bad thing, but in the early days, there was a lot of real cottage industry, um, people doing stuff and, you know, I'm going to have a go making this film and I'm going to have a go doing this. And, you know, you mentioned things like your intrepid camera and yeah. you know, stuff like this. And, and here we are now, you know, three or four years since they first came out. It's not small cottage industry stuff anymore. Stuff is getting established and the names are, you know, they're becoming bigger companies and stuff. And so that's a change. It's not a bad change. No. It's just a change that, that some of, you know, some of these names that when they were started off were just one one man in his back shed bashing something together, you know, they, they've grown from that. I think we started at the tail end of the decline and essentially our podcast single-handedly kind of turned things around <laughs> and got I, us back on the trajectory. I think <laughs> so. I, I, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Do you think that having a podcast and working so closely with photography, does that make you shoot more or less than you would if you didn't have the podcast? As you guys will both know, only too well, making podcasts takes up a lot of time. Like, there's no getting away from it. It eats up a lot of time um, in the recording and in the editing and in the organizing and in put that everything. There's a lot, there's a lot that goes on that eats up time. And we all only have a certain amount of free time in the day and this chomps it. And it also, it, it chomps up brain space as well. And yeah. you need brain space for photography. So on the one hand, yes, it does have a detrimental effect on my photography uh, on the flip side it also drives and inspires a lot of what I do when I do get a chance to do it. Sometimes it's very directly. So if we're doing things like the cheap shot challenge, I'm like, I have to go and take pictures for this. I have to go out and make some pictures. Um, what I've decided to do for my show is um, to justify some of the stuff that I bought or acquired in the past uh, to make me go out and use this stuff. So making that podcast is going to drive me to use stuff. Oh, cool. I love that. Yeah, that's wonderful. 
So it's kind of like getting the cause and effect going in the right way. Um, so that's kind of the one side which drives me to shoot is just that very direct way. But also, when you get to talk to people who are frequently so inspiring about what they're doing, it can't help but make you think, ah, <laughs> I love the fact that we're here talking about, I want to be out taking pictures now. Um, or whether, whether it's about their processes, or sometimes it's about like the stuff that they're shooting with after... I think it was after talking to Max from Intrepid, I guess a couple of years ago now, like we got to the end of the podcast. I was like, damn it. I really need an Intrepid camera now. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, these things happen. And yeah, I mean, we've been lucky enough to talk to a lot of fabulous people, you guys included, who um, inspire me at the time and continue to inspire me afterwards to, to go out. And, and I think it's not just the work they're producing, it's the energy and the enthusiasm that they bring to it. And it, it can help revitalize you. And I, I'm sure you find this in the people that you talk to. Oh, you, yeah. You've had fabulous guests on here. Um, so, yeah, it's, um, it, it impacts in the very literal way of how much time I have to do stuff. But I think it helps expand on my love of the hobby as a whole and driving you to want to do more and more of it. Yes, I think we agree. I think it does. I think we are very much in the same atmosphere there. Milieu. <laughs> milieu. Yeah, yes. <laughs> it's the same milieu. I, I think we're trying to find a good balance between the two because there is, yeah, it's a lot of work and we agree on that. You know? <laughs> yeah, uh, but Yes, we do. <laughs> but yeah, it, it is something like in the end, we love this. This is what we love. Yeah. <laughs> okay, final question. And this is the question will be... Um, this one is for all the money. <laughs> is it? <laughs> This counts for fifty percent of your grade. <laughs> oh fuck! <laughs> Do you compose differently for color versus black and white? Yeah, definitely, um, definitely, and probably detrimentally as well. Oh, <laughs> really? Yeah, I think because uh, I'm going to work on the sort of the ideals here of what I'm aiming for. So. When I'm shooting black and white, um, obviously you're looking for contrast, you're looking for shape, you're looking for patterns. You're sort of you're being very aware of the mindful of all these things because you know that the color's not going to be there yeah. providing any interest. So you, you have to be mindful of all these things and the way that things are put together. Um, and it's when you're shooting color, it's easier to be magpied and go, "Oh, isn't that pretty? I'm going to capture that color because that's really pretty," and not think as much about the other things. I mean, you know. Horses, of course, I guess, you know, in the same way that you can take a picture which can look lovely in colour because the colour is, is doing all the work in that picture um, and it can be good for that. That If it was black and white, it just wouldn't work. Yeah. Um, so I guess, yes, I do shoot differently because you can use colour as a crutch. There are times when you look at something and go, uh, this looks garbage, but maybe if I just desaturate this, uh, it will be all right. <laughs> but yeah, I do think that kind of on a fundamental level, um, the things that make a black and white picture really good are not the same things that can make a color picture really good. There can be a lot of crossover and yeah. they can be, you can bring the same things in, but I think there are things that there are black and white pictures that would be spoilt by color because it would detract from the things that make that image so good and vice versa as well. Mm. Um, so. Yeah. I'm wondering if you could, I, I, I guess I'd never, I think we all do this subconsciously, but think of it as maybe a black and white photo when we're shooting color. You know what I mean? Like what Wait. can we, what can we take from, okay, 
you're shooting color. Okay. But pretend like you're shooting black and white and shoot it as you would black and white. Oh, I don't and know. He's looking can, at me like, can I'm you crazy. do that? Yeah, yeah, that's crazy talk. <laughs> well, uh, you know, no, like, no, like you said, shadows instead of just like, oh, the, there's like a fucking red bicycle and this plain <laughs> like scene, like, uh, is there a shadow to the bicycle if I angle, like if I compose this differently? Like, you know what I mean? No, I, no, I just he clarify. doesn't. Is, is a fucking red bicycle different from a red fucking bicycle? <laughs> I just need to know. <laughs> well, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Are you doing the myopic me anymore? Um, at the beginning of the year, so I hadn't done it for quite a while, and um, I have got an idea for kind of taking it somewhere else, okay. um, which I want to pers- pursue more. And ironically, I think what I'm planning to do is go with black and white for that. But oh, yeah, nice. I want to, because the Myopic Me project of, of very blurry pictures was very scattershot in terms of its subject matter and stuff like that. And so I want to see if I can actually use the technique and, and the results I got from it to achieve a goal i set out to with it like have an idea in mind and then try and achieve that as opposed to just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks which is the (laughs) usual approach i adopt for everything yes (laughs) well guys i will leave you in peace okay um it has been an absolute fucking delight getting to chat with you as always um and uh take good care of yourselves you guys and you too um, speak to you again soon all right have fun (laughs) bye guys Bye. Like any artistic pursuit, photography requires passion, discipline, and thoughtfulness. Not everyone can pick up a camera and be a Lang, a Cameron, or man. It just doesn't work that way. The camera is essential to what we do, but the camera is a tool to help us interpret the world around us. It's through the lens that we channel our creativity. This creativity doesn't necessarily flow freely to each roll of film. For most of us, it requires practice to shape this creative flow. For instance, so for instance, when's uh, the last time you decided to like set up a scene at home and play with light and exposure and composition? Probably in the beginning of quarantine, we did that challenge. I think it was like shoot inside with six pieces of something. And yeah, so I th- yeah. I think I shot like slow meow, like a very low ISO film and did some still shots yeah i did some large format stuff actually oh the, with, that with stuff the, was fun i do remember those yeah yeah i had a good time with that um so photography can be fun it can be exciting it can also be tough when you have had like high hopes for a weekend trip and all the photos you develop just they they're not bad necessarily but they don't really seem to capture what you thought you were capturing you can be in the most beautiful place and if you just don't find the light or composition it can really show in your images so today we'll be talking a bit about composition so composition is how you place things in your photo if you're shooting portraits or still life your possibility are kind of endless like we were just mentioning but if you're shooting landscapes or in towns and or cities street architecture or for or whatever You have to figure out a place for those things in front of your eyes. A good guideline is to think of composition as the way to lead a viewer into your photo. The scene you're standing in may have a hundred different photos, but for yours, you need to give your viewers a way to reach you. Good composition, and that term is incredibly relative. It can draw a person in, leading them from one place in your photo to another and then another. You can convey an array of emotions and perspectives just by how you arrange stuff. 
But bad composition, again, a relative term, does the opposite for any number of reasons. But we don't want to talk too much about bad composition. We really don't. Uh, <laughs> volumes have been written about composition, good and bad. And we're just a tiny little podcast, but we'll do our best to give you just a tiny little overview of the basics. And first, we'll start with the obvious, the camera and the aspect ratio it provides. So we've all dabbled in a few. We have 35 millimeter. We have, you know, six by six or square format, six by seven, etc. You can shoot the same shot with each of these ratios and capture completely different compositions. There isn't a best or worst ratio to shoot with. Just use what you have to the best of your ability. Once you find what works for you, you can even try to pull off some weird shit like shooting landscapes on a square format. There's been a few times where I've had square format and I am shooting landscapes. Um, I posted something to Instagram that I had been holding on to for like years. And it's kind of a, a landscape picture. It was like a shot from the pier and it's a surfer in a very empty, vast landscape. Oh, that was like the dark ocean one. Yeah. That was, I know I've seen the picture before. You showed it to me. I don't know, a year ago or whatever. And it was one of my favorite photos of yours. I just kind of forgot about it because you never posted it. We never really talked about it much. But when I saw it again, you're just like, oh my God, you nailed everything about this. You nailed a landscape essentially in a square format, but you also utilized the square format perfectly. Whereas if you would have shot that with like a wider ratio, say a six by nine, even you, it wouldn't have meant as much, wouldn't have been as much. No, I definitely think it was important that it was a square format in yeah. that shot. I didn't necessarily think that I could pull it off, but somehow limitation was good in that circumstance. Yeah. And that's okay. That's covers ratios and cameras and all that. It's the basic. So lenses with various lenses, you can decide how much of the scene reaches the film, a wide angle will take in more, but with wide angles comes wide responsibility. <laughs> longer, sorry, I don't know why I said that. Uh, longer lenses have their purpose in portraits or action, uh, and but maybe the best lens to start with, one to get really, maybe to master, would be one that closely mimics the focal length of the eye. That's 45 millimeters in a 35 millimeter camera, or since 50 millimeter lenses are much more readily available, just, just go with that. Yeah, those are kit lenses, and they're kind of basic, and maybe you're not as cool of a photographer if you only have a 50. I shot with a 50 like all through high school, basically. I love that lens. It's yeah. my favorite and still my favorite. It's my favorite portrait lens, definitely. Oh, wow. Okay. Now we're moving on to techniques. So that means that we will stop talking about gear. And I think that everybody's okay with that. <laughs> we, aren't, we aren't very good gear talkers. Moving on from gear talk, let's frame the scene. You've seen movies where a director character is wandering around a scene with his hands forming two L's, thumbs touching, to make a frame. And while this seems ridiculous and exaggerated, it might actually work. What you're essentially doing is putting a limit on the scene before you. Some photographers will take a piece of cardboard and cut a square into it the same ratio as their camera. And if you want to get super technical, you'd use a, the, a hole the same size as your film. So for example, if you're shooting six by nine, you'd make a six centimeter by nine centimeter cutout. However you do it, whether it's the, the finger L's or, or these, this cardboard thing, you take in the scene trying different angles and different views. And this is known as framing the scene. 
So let's do that right now. Maybe you're driving to work or sitting in the living room listening to us. Wherever you are, find something to frame, even if it's just in your mind. So if you're driving, take your hands off the wheel no, and hold your fingers your off the wheel. at right angles to each other <laughs> and, and start framing things. You can drive with your knees. You'll be okay. No, stop it. Don't listen to him. Just but find something. And yes. Well, I mean, if you're driving... okay. I'm sorry, but if you're a photographer, there are things on your drive to work that you have taken a look at in several different lighting with clouds, stormy, raining, sunny, whatever. I know that there's at least a few places that you've been wanting to photograph. Yeah. So when you drive past it today, maybe break it down a little bit. So the first thing to really consider is whether you're going to shoot this scene, whether it's in person or in your mind, you're going to shoot it vertical or horizontal, uh, portrait or landscape, as they sometimes call it. You can change it up anytime you want to, of course, you even shoot both. I've shot a lot of scenes, both, and just kind of picked the best one later. But both will give you really, really different photos and really different feels. And regardless of orientation, now you'll have to organize your scene inside of your camera, or if you're just playing along at home, inside your mind. So you'd ask yourself, how will this shot be organized? How are you going to do this? There's no best way to organize a scene, but here are some things to consider. First, what is the primary subject of your photo? What are you trying to draw people into seeing? Basically, what the hell are you taking a picture of? <laughs> Centering the subject may be good for six by six or achieving a certain feel, or if you just want to. So along with centering, you can consider the role of thirds, and that's dividing your image up into three horizontal sections and three vertical sections. And where the lines intersect is where you would realistically place your main subject. For some reason, centering and the rule of thirds seems pleasing to us, but that doesn't mean we have to pick one or the other. A photo may break all these rules and still be a good photo. For example, this is sort of a, a nerdy thing. It's a, there's a TV show called Mr. Robot, there was anyway, and it was directed and filmed by Sam Esmail. And he often composed his shots in quarters. And I don't think I've ever seen it done, at least not done well. And he really did it. And so what he did was he divided the frame in half, both vertically and horizontally. And this created an uneasy, because we're not used, our minds are not okay with this for some reason, and a very diminutive feel or very exaggerated feel, depending on, on how we arrange things. You could try it, and your mileage may vary. And also, it's really difficult to shoot like this. <laughs> I've tried. <laughs> so that is a very basic idea on how to compose a shot. But there's still more things to consider, of course. So what yes. else we got? So at this point, we're going to be leaving our mental images, see you guys, and talking <laughs> about some of our actual photos, me and Vanya's. We'll include all of these in our show notes on the website. So check them out. The most obvious thing to consider would be something called leading lines. Our brains naturally follow lines or paths. Well-placed lines in your photo can lead the viewer from one subject to the next, or simply to your main subject. Well, my photo is an open field with a road in it, and in the road is a bison. This is not a good photo. Uh, it is, however, a photo to show that they, a path in your photo will lead naturally to whatever it is you want it to, to want to do. In this case, it's a bison. If I were to put the bison to one side of the road or the other, it would be apparently bad composition. But it is not, it is there, and though it is not a good photo, it is apparently good composition. Your photo, Vanya, is what? I think it's actually the first role I ever shot of six ISO. I think it was Tasma McRat 300. Okay. 
yeah. in the ocean. So it is a photo of a wave and a surfer riding the wave kind of facing me and making like a backside turn. The top of the wave where it's cresting before it's breaking makes a line actually straight to the surfer. And then there is some sun reflection on the wave that is not a perfectly straight, it almost zigzags, but it goes straight to him as well. So it seems like everything points to him. Even his reflection in the water points mm-hmm. to him. The next couple of photos that we'll be talking about explore the idea of a frame within a frame. And, and this is a little gimmicky and we kind of hemmed and hauled about including it. But, you know, here it is. This is where the main subject of the photo is framed by a box or a hole or a window or something. So A frame within a frame. It's a frame within a frame. self-explanatory. You, you, you get it. You, you guys are smart. So my photo, it's a concrete wall with kind of a border around the concrete wall, but there's a big hole in the concrete wall. Get it? <gasps> and so the border is a frame around the hole. And the hole itself is framing whatever is inside. And there are windows and doorways inside. And you can even see through them because I kind of nailed the exposure here. Guys. <laughs> wow. Toot toot. <laughs> <laughs> but this is, you know, a decent example of a frame within a frame. It leads the viewer to go deeper inside, to kind of climb in those frames. Your photo, Vanya, is a much more amazing little little piece of work here. Could you explain it? Yeah, it is a handheld six by six shot. You could tell because it's not perfectly straight. It is two pier pylons. I'm underneath the pier, so I'm not actually on top. I'm on the sand. And in the wintertime, uh, sometimes the bottom of the pier fills with water. And in the mornings, when it's nice and still and no wind, there was a beautiful reflection of the actual pylons. So it makes a frame. There's the tower, and that's reflecting onto the water as well. So I didn't get what this was at first. When I first saw it, I thought you were looking through a piece of wood that had a hole cut in it. Ah. And it turns out, no, half of the entire half of the bottom half of the image isn't real. It's just a reflection. But the reflection creates a wonderful frame. Just imagine how it would look if I used a tripod. It would look slightly straighter. I've seen your tripod shots. (laughs) I'm not sure if it would look that much straighter. Oh my gosh, burn. (laughs) All right, let's move on. No, 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 no. no. I'm just kidding. We will move on now to filling the frame, which is somewhat different than what we've talked about before. There isn't necessarily a main subject, but your eyes end up bouncing around all over the place, and the frame is literally filled. It's a very busy photo in your photo, which is what? Uh, It is a photograph of a booth at the Hot Dogger Surf Competition in Hermosa Beach. So if you guys follow me, you've probably seen that I've been posting these recently. It is a uh, bunch of surfboards kind of leaning up against a tent and there's people doing things and getting ready to surf. And I think there's even a photographer with a tripod on the far right. So there's a lot of things to look at in here. It's very interesting. And I definitely notice that like I'm bouncing around. I love to shoot surfboards, especially longboards because yeah, I'm a longboarder. Davenport is a amazing shaper and he does beautiful work. So just even the little tails of the boards and the little overlaps, the V overlaps and stuff is just gorgeous. (laughs) There's a lot to see there. And in mine, it's taken in eastern Washington in ancient Lakes Cooley, and it's a shot looking down from a cliff. And so, weirdly, there is a frame within a frame here. There's also some leading lines. There's even a bit of symmetrical, which I haven't gotten to yet, but there, there is kind of that as well. But if you can get on a place like Flickr and you can really blow up a photo, and I like uploading large versions of my photos to Flickr so people can, if you want to, take a look at them. I enjoy, I enjoy doing it myself. 
And you can really explore around this image. Actually, I did a whole zine about that. Not this image, but one taken to the same place, I think on the same trip, where I did a zine where it was like a picture divided up into 15 different captures, I guess, or whatever you would call it, 15 different frames, and kind of explored a photo in one zine. Nobody bought it, but I liked it. It was really fun. It was. It was my idea. I give it to you. (laughs) I think that's one of the coolest things about filling the frame is that there's so many stories happening in one spot. Yeah, I agree. So we'll move from filling the frame to basically nothing in the frame, and that's negative space. And that is the kind of the the blank space around your main subject. And so it's uh, this negative space can form an artistic or interesting shape in this image. You can add feelings such as like loneliness or solitude and calmness with this. So mine was, again, in, in the coolies in eastern Washington. This was a, a basalt column that I took kind of really close. It's very much in frame right. And swooping away from it is the wall of a cliff with a bunch of basalt pillars and some scree piles swooping down to the basin. But the vast majority of the photo, easily three quarters of it, is empty sky. I shot that to have that empty sky there. There's nothing going on there. And it draws your eyes to the sky, but it also really highlights what you really wanted to see, and that's to be the cliff wall. And so your photo, a much more striking photo than mine. What is this? Uh, This is at Craters of the Moon. If anybody's been there, it's in Idaho, and it's a wonderful place to visit. It is probably one of the hardest places to photograph. This is probably the only image that I really liked from shooting there. So it is very black and white. It is a clear white sky, no cloud, no nothing, and then a black mountain that I was hiking up. And right directly in the middle is a tiny little rock, like stack of rocks, that you can kind of see. It's definitely more of a shape than an image. Uh, In a place like this, using negative space is kind of important because if you fill your frame, you've got nothing but but just black lava rock. And that is kind of ugly on black and white film. Really ugly on color film. I've been there... I think four times, and I've got almost no pictures to show for it. It's so beautiful, though. It's striking. It's yeah. it's like you're on Mars when you're there. But for some reason, it's extremely difficult to photograph it. Yeah. Moving on from there is symmetry. Symmetry is basically a reflection. What's going on with one half of the photo is going on in the other half. There is a perfection to it, though it doesn't have to be perfect. The thing that comes to mind would be a dock photo. You've seen the pictures of a dock as center-framed, and you're shooting right down the, the center of it. And on both sides, you've got it's pretty much the same shot. It's sort of cliche in a way, I guess. And the same thing that would go with like a road shot going off like those roads that go off into the mountains, into the distance, long and straight. Oh, I've, yeah, I've done both of those. Definitely. Yes. And <laughs> I'm going to say, I don't know why our minds work this way, but it is utterly impossible to not shoot that. If you're in Nevada and you're on Route 50 and you look behind you or look in front of you and you see the road going off in the distance, you pull over and you take a picture of it. You know it's going to be cliche. You know it's going to, you're going to look at it and go, why did I shoot that? There's a billion photos like that, but you're (laughs) not ever going to be able to refuse to do it. I just did it. The trip that I was on, I knew I was never going to show anybody that picture, but I had to shoot it. I don't know why. (laughs) It's just something that's in our heads. We love symmetry. It's easy. It's comfortable. And so what photo do you have for symmetry, Vanya? I'm standing on a beach tower, and it's the ramp going down to the sand. So the symmetry, I guess you would say, in this photo is the railings on both sides. So even though they are like 
technically symmetrical. The right side, you can tell the sun is coming from the left hand side of the photograph and it's very light. And then the other side is very dark. And I really like that even though these two railings are basically identical to each other, they look completely different in this photo. Yeah, I like that. It's a it's a kind of a, a variation on on symmetry, and I really like. And there's also leading lines, mm-hmm. and you, I mean, sort of not quite filling the frame really, but there's there's a lot going on there. Yes, mine is. I was standing at the foot of an old warehouse, and I shot up, and so the corner of the warehouse sort of forms a right angle about three quarters of the way up the frame. I shot vertically. What's on one side is on the other side. Not a lot going on there. It's interesting-ish, I guess. But it was one of those shots I couldn't not take. I saw it and I'm like, I gotta take this. And I'll share it here on the show notes, but I probably won't end up doing anything with it other than that. So, symmetry. (laughs) (laughs) What, What do we got next? Movement. So sports photography, for instance. And I, I guess, technically, from what Eric has told me, I'm a sports photographer. You shoot surfing and surfing is a sport. So yeah, you are a sports photographer. (laughs) Just does not does not feel that way. But Eric isn't. So how do you create movement? So the picture I have for movement is one of my... I love this photo, by the way. If you guys haven't seen it, you should get on the show notes and look at it because it's very Eric. It's beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. This is a four by five shot that I took of a, an old schoolhouse or an old cabin. I don't really remember even where this was, to be honest. The horizon line is maybe two thirds the way up and the cabin or whatever it is, is, a, is in the left third of the frame with oh, yeah. the, the top popping up over the horizon. That's not the movement. It's a very still scene. You're using rule of thirds here, by the way. So, yeah, and this was unintentional. It just shows you how our minds work. You automatically frame this shit. So maybe we don't even need to be talking about it. We just do it naturally. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> maybe we're just filling time. Who knows? Uh, but for movement, I want, and I'm, this is something I do consciously. This is not something that would happen to me uh, without thinking about it. Because with the cameras that I use, I could use a faster speed film like HP5. And I could shoot this maybe a little bit wider open. And I could shoot it at a shutter speed where nothing would be moving, including when the wind blows, the grasses move, I could freeze those. But I choose not to. This, I think, was shot on 3ISO film. I think it was shot on ortholitho film. And that allowed me to keep the shutter open for, I don't know, it looks like maybe a second, maybe two seconds here. If the wind isn't too hard, it allows the camera to stand still that's capturing everything in stillness except for the wind that's blowing the grasses. When you're on the open plains, it's windy. (laughs) It's always windy. There's always a breeze blowing. And capturing an image completely still with nothing moving, to me, doesn't capture the essence of the prairie. So I need to, for myself, incorporate the wind into these photos. You can only do that with a tripod. And so that's why I shoot four by five, even though may not be great at it. I try to pull these things off. I know you're saying that you're not great at it earlier. And I'm looking at this and this is just a beautiful photo. You've, you've taken a scene that is dead still. And you've managed to bring it to life with a little bit of movement in the grass. I mean, I like it. So yes, I, I agree. This is one of my better four by five photos. <laughs> So you don't need to keep your shutter open to imply movement. It's one way you can do it. But the other way you can do it is maybe a better way. And it's what Vanya did is just just capturing movement. So what do you have here? I have a surfer on a wave and he is 
doing a cutback and he has a huge spray of water uh, from his turn. And I caught him right when he was pulling back into the wave. And it is showing obviously a lot of movement here because there's water behind him moving. He's headed back down the face of the wave. And there's actually um, a young lady who is paddling over the face of the wave as well. This was like a beautiful day. This was really fun. And I want to say that this was maybe 800 speed. I think it was Sinistil. Okay. This is how I was able to capture it without any blur, of course. So there are moments where this matters. And this is maybe one of the better days where people were catching a bunch of waves. And I, I really wanted to be able to capture some of these turns i got a couple people in some barrels it was kind of it was kind of a good day yeah well a lot of what we do compositionally is subconscious capturing movement is something i think we really have to kind of consider if i were to shoot vanya's image with like a two second exposure it would be nothing but blur because it'd be floating around the water and it just wouldn't work so you need a higher speed to capture what she captured likewise if she went to the prairie with 800 speed film and caught you know something at like a thousandth of a second or whatever it would be a very different photo than what i shot i guess this kind of goes back to gear talk you have to know what you want out of your camera and how you want to use your camera to capture movement even if your composition is exactly the same. One of the things that has really helped us both is shooting together. Sometimes when we're in a place and looking at the same scene, we'll ask each other what we're seeing and what we're shooting. And you can definitely do this too, you know, having friends that are photographers meeting up with people. It it is really helpful and in ways that you will definitely be surprised. So head out with other photographers when you can and, and talk to them, pick their brains a little bit. And this isn't just for like new or lesser experienced photographers, even experienced photographers, professional photographers should be talking to new photographers to see what they're seeing. It's important to maybe to get a new perspective and new set of eyes. So if you think you're above that, you're kind of failing. And these are only a few of the things to consider when composing your shot. There are a ton of others that we left out, but maybe the next time you're in the field, you'll have some of these ideas in your back pocket. Incorporate them into your own creative flow. These are basic ideas. Use them, but have fun. Since it's our one year anniversary, we are brimming with ideas. Lots of them, really. Uh, it's also time to pay the annual hosting bills. <laughs> We've been incredibly fortunate to have listeners who are so willing to buy our zines and film that we sometimes sell. It's been a real blessing. We tell you that we love you each episode, and we really do mean it. But with the whole late-stage capitalism thing we've got going on, these big ideas, these dreams of expansion, these hosting bills require a, a bit of extra scratch. Thus, like we mentioned at the beginning of the show, Patreon. Yes. Yeah. Our souls. We, both of us hate talking about money. When it's amongst ourselves, with other people, we strongly dislike money. Yep. But there's not much we can really do about money. Money is a thing we have to deal with. And while it'd be cool and edgy to think everything is free, um, it's not. Now, we're not going to feed you some line about if you don't give us money, we're going to go away because, sorry, we're not. (laughs) 
we love doing the podcast, but we like to have it become a little bit more self-sufficient. And, you know, with the zines and things, it's it's been very helpful. Before we get to what we would like, here are some things that we would like to do in the future. First, we would like to have our own online store to sell our film and zines and, and whatever else, rather than rely on Etsy. Etsy takes upwards of 25%. And that's a huge cut. And we don't want to pass it along to the buyers. So we'd like to have our own store. Yes. We would like to eventually upgrade our audio equipment. Yeah, we have good equipment, but could always do a little bit better. I, I keep hitting my mic for some reason. So I'd like to somehow take care of that. Everything's that would be more obvious to you to see. We like, we'd like to try some like weird ass developers for dev party. Sometimes they're a little bit out of our reach. Buying more books since we source most of our historical research from actual books, which yes. is great. I love it. We would also like to have some meetups at some point, somehow, someday. And then since Eric is unemployed for the foreseeable future, we'd like to pay him a little for some of his editing hours. It takes, you know, eight to 10 hours. He does a really great job making me sound amazing. So thank you. (laughs) You do sound amazing. But we'd also like to try some new things like, you know, maybe buying a model rocket from the 1980s with a 110 camera in it, firing it off and See what happens. Yes. So we're we're not just asking for money. Since this is Patreon, we've got some really fun rewards for you. So we've been kind of trying to come up with some stuff. And this is, we, we got some tiers. So Eric, t- to us about the first tier. Okay, so we've got three tiers. We've got the 35 millimeter tier, the 120 tier, and the 4x5 <gasps> tier. You get it? Isn't oh. that clever? We've got room to shrink, like maybe a 110 tier. And we've got room to expand, like an 8x10 tier. Or who knows? <laughs> so the first is the 35 millimeter tier. That is $3 a month. And here is what you'll get. You will get the episodes released two days early and we'll be working my poor little fingers to the bone there. <laughs> uh, you'll, we will give you shout outs on the show and a 10% discount coupon code thing at our store. The second is 120 millimeter. <laughs> Come on now. Just kidding. The second is 120. It's $5 a month. You'll get everything from the 35 millimeter tier plus monthly snapshot episodes where we'll talk about a lot more than just film photography. Get to know us a little bit better. So essentially, these will be bonus episodes. While we love film photography, we aren't just film photographers. We'll talk about music that we like, some of the music that we've incorporated into the show, uh, some movies that we've both seen, uh, uh, maybe some of our weird ass childhoods. We both have bizarre childhoods basically whatever but since we are film photographers we'll probably end up talking about gear too you know (laughs) it's weird when we talk on the phone we pretty much are constantly talking about gear yeah we always talk about gear it's ridiculous we talk almost every day about gear (laughs) so our final our most grand tier the four by five level it's ten dollars a month and you will get everything thus far mentioned plus Full, and they're often 60 minutes, full interviews with our guests. These will include bonus questions and some extra fun. Have you ever wished we talked to our guests for longer than we do? Well, actually, we do. For the sake of brevity, and we use that term very, very loosely here, we edit down the interviews to around 15 to 20 minutes. We actually talk to them for a lot longer, sometimes three fucking hours. Yeah, Brandy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> would like to bring you guys in on that fun. And, you know, that's that's it. It's pretty simple. It's 
kind of what a lot of other podcasts are doing. Discounts, bonus episodes, our eternal gratitude, all of those things. We'll have a link to the Patreon in our show notes, or just go to patreon.com slash allthroughalens to find us. We'll be there. And thank you, everybody. It's been a wonderful year of podcasting with Eric. I just feel so unbelievably grateful that people want to listen. Yeah. We love doing this, so it definitely isn't like we're in it for the money. And it is always such a touchy subject again to like talk about this. But if you're interested in some of the extra things, go check it out. Yeah. And yeah, we do appreciate it. Thank you so much for considering it. And that's about all the podcasts we got for you today. Yes. Except we didn't remind anybody about the question. So what's the question? Well, again, the question for the next episode is, do you compose differently for color versus black and white? Now, I don't mean shooting different things. Like, you probably aren't going to be shooting a lot of neon and black and white. But if you're at a scene and you've got a camera loaded with black and white film and a camera loaded with color film, Will you shoot the same scene the same way, or will you take into consideration color in black and white? And if you do, how? Why? Think about that a little bit. Hmm. Where is your mind going to go with that? Is this where I tell you my story, my black and white story? Maybe. Is it? (laughs) My Tom and Jerry story? Are you making a joke I'm not getting? (laughs) When I was a kid, I would watch Tom and Jerry every day. And in my mind, I thought that when things got old, they turned black and white. And I was like, Tom and Jerry is very old. That's a very old cartoon. It's going to turn black and white. So I would try to watch it every single day to see when it was going to finally turn black and white. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still watching it every day. It still hasn't turned. (laughs) No. Uh, Well, I used to think my dad was John Denver. So I guess we're even. (laughs) (laughs) If you'd like to contact us, we're at allthroughalens.podcast on Instagram. By email, it's allthroughalens.podcast at Gmail. And we're allthroughalens on Twitter. Vanya is at Surf Martian. And Eric is at conspiracy.of.cartographers. Both on Instagram. And speaking of Instagram, make sure you hashtag our stuff. Hashtag all through a lens to be featured. We also do a Spotify playlist for each episode, so check those out and see what we're listening to. Just search all through a lens. You can find our episodes on Spotify as well as on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and wherever the hell else you find your podcast. Subscribe and leave us a review. Also, don't forget, we've got a new website, allthroughlens.com. <laughs> you're right. The music you're hearing now is from Last Regiment of Syncopated Drummers, which you can find at lastregiment.com. And thank you all so much for listening for the past year. It's been an amazing year. One of the well, I mean, 2020 has been one of the most fucked up years. But I know. It's so funny to say, like, how excited we are to do this. But it's it has us, been such a light in our lives, I think, because been. it has been such a nightmare. Like, the outside world is a nightmare. Yes. It's and literally so, fucking orange outside right now because of the fires. Like, California is on fire right now. It's yes. ridiculous. Apart from all that, and maybe because of some of that, this podcast has become very central to our lives and a central happiness to our lives and we thank you all so much for being a part of that we love you and we'll see you in a couple of weeks um fanya yes do you still want to go out and shoot fuck yeah i do please let's go (laughs) i need to calm down now what the fuck Okay, hold on, hold on. I need to take a breath, hold on.
Okay, go ahead.